tonight Bible study. We are in the book of Romans. Calling it back to the basics. We're in lesson eight and the last half of uh, chapter four. Last time we met together, we talked about how Abraham and David, how their faith demonstrated righteousness apart from the law. There was a whole discussion about uh, using those two as an example, how righteousness can come apart from the law. It's not because of keeping the law, uh, but because of grace through faith. And the rest of this chapter discusses that same thing, and it really is continuing on in the theme about Abraham being justified uh, because he believed. That's, that's faith. That's what faith is about. It's about believing. So we're going to begin with verse 16. We'll read a few verses at a time, and then we'll uh, discuss that. Verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So what is this talking about? It's talking about justification according to grace and through faith. So faith and grace are related in the same way that works and the law are, are related. Grace and law are principles found in the Word of God, and faith and works are the means that we pursue our relationship with God through faith, I should say, and through works. We're not saved by works, but yet we are called unto good works after salvation. The Bible does say that. So, in my commentary, and I thought this was kind of an interesting thought, it says technically we're not saved by faith. We're saved by grace, and grace is appropriated by faith. So faith, you could think of faith as the conduit through which we obtain grace and the salvation. So we're not saved by faith, uh, but we're saved by God's grace. It's, it's all, always about uh, God's grace. Grace can never be earned or gained through our works, uh, whether it's works that we're currently doing or works that we have done in the past or works that we have promised to do. Have you ever promised to do something for the Lord? I hope you fulfilled it. Sometimes we promise more than we can possibly do. So the definition of grace does not have anything to do with works. So let's move on a little bit to that second part of that verse, it says so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Number one, what, what seed is he talking about? How can the promise of God be made sure? It can only be made sure through grace. If the law was our basis for salvation, then our salvation depends upon us being able to keep the law. How many knows that we cannot keep the law? There's been better people than me try to keep the law and not be able to keep the law. And a law promise of salvation can never be sure because at some point, man will break the law. 
he's not able to perform. Our faith, our promise, I guess I should say, uh, is based upon grace. And it's what we're going to discover is that the seed that's talked about here, and we're going to get to that a little bit later on, is both the seed of Abraham from a physical standpoint, from a descendancy, a lineage, I guess you could say, physical lineage, but also descendancy from Abraham for all those who believe. Did you know that we can legitimately call Abraham our father if we have trusted in the Lord for our salvation? You don't hear Christians talk about that, but we can say that, that we uh, are of the seed of Abraham. But also to those who are of faith, is what the last part of that verse says, of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So our relationship with God is all about grace. Aren't you thankful for that? Our relationship, thank the Lord, is not about works, but it's about grace. And a Gentile, what's the saying? A Gentile could say, I'm not a Jew. That would be true. And I'm not of the law, but I am of the same faith as Abraham. And he would be just as saved as a Jewish believer who believed in Jesus. So we're all the same from that aspect. Abraham is the father of us all. Did you know that God promised Abraham that through his seed, all the world, the key is all, the world would be blessed. The Jews had a tendency to miss the word all in that statement. And they didn't necessarily believe that all the world would be blessed through Abraham. They thought the Jewish people would, but not necessarily Gentile people. So he is the father of all who believe from every nation under heaven. So it doesn't matter if you come from Australia or if you come from New Zealand or you come from Greenland or wherever, the United States, Africa, wherever it might be, we are all those who believe in the Lord. Abraham is the father of all of us. Let's skip on down to verse 17 and 18. We'll read those. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. How many remember that Abraham's name was not always Abraham? It was Abram. It was short. It was a shortened version of the word Abraham. And Abram meant father of many. But Abraham meant father of nations, right? So we see, uh, and when we add the sound in, which speaks of God, then you go, how many knows when God gets involved and things just grow and explode and multiply? God does miraculous and mighty things when God gets involved. Uh, so we see that with Father Abraham. So I've made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who he believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Many times we define faith as calling things that do not exist as though they already did. Now how can we say that? 
Because God is our Father, and if He calls it that way, and His Word promises it that way, then we can say that I'm healed because of the stripes of Jesus, right? And we're trusting in what God has told us through His Word. So uh, we can call those things that don't exist or are not or don't appear to be yet as though they already are. That's faith. That's trusting that God will do what he said he would do. So who, contrary to hope, this is talking about Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope, believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken so shall your descendants be. So that's an interesting statement. Who, contrary to hope, in hope, believed. Have you ever believed God even when it felt and seemed hopeless? That is what Abraham did. He said, I don't care what it looks like. I don't have care how old I am. I don't, it doesn't matter that. Sarah's womb is as good as dead and so is my body I'm still going to believe the promise of God so even in the face of no hope I'm going to have hope and I'm going to believe that's what this is saying Abraham became the father of many nations it took a supernatural life giving work to make Abraham the physical father of many nations God had to reverse what naturally occurs when we get older. But Abraham was promised, and so was Sarah, that they would have children. And God reversed the natural way that things should have been, and he changed them. God allowed her to conceive and allowed him to be able to do what fathers do, to that children might be born, right? Uh, so it took a supernatural physical, life-giving work of God to make him the father of nations. It also took a supernatural, life-giving work to make him the spiritual father of all nations. What was that supernatural? Well, you can define it two ways. That supernatural gift that caused him to be spiritually the father of all was that he believed in God said, that's good enough, that's righteousness. It doesn't sound like righteousness to me, does it to you? But it sounded like it to God. And God declared that if you will believe, guess what? He does the same for us. If you'll believe, I'll count it to you as righteousness. But more than that, spiritually, what also occurred was that down the lineage of Abraham, Jesus was born and he died for us on the cross and spiritually broke what the enemy did all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. That's exciting. It's a supernatural life-giving work that Jesus did for us. These works of God demonstrate his ability to count things that are not, I mean, those were not really righteous, but God counts us as righteous, as if we were. God says, it doesn't matter. I'm going to count you as righteous, even though you're not. But the Bible tells us that we're not. The Bible says that we, our righteousness is like filthy rags. But God still counts us as righteous if we believe. That's the key. 
You must have faith uh, in God. So God called the dead womb of Sarah to life. And he can call all of us who are dead in our trespasses and sin into new life in Jesus. That's exciting. You see those parallels that happen? Sarah was not alive. Her womb was not alive. And God said, it's going to be. It is. I'm speaking it into existence. We were not righteous, but God says, I'm going to declare that you are. That's miraculous. And I'm thankful for that. This is just a quote that I'm going to read. It says, I'm greatly comforted when God speaks about me as being righteous, justified, glorified, holy, pure, and even saintly. God can talk about these things before they exist because he knows that they will exist. So God is calling things that don't exist as though they already are. Because how many knows that when God speaks, things change. When God speaks, he speaks life. And he speaks against what would normally occur so that there is a miraculous state that comes into being. Abraham's example helps us to understand the nature of faith. The conception of Isaac was a miracle. It was not an immaculate conception, but it was a miracle, right? Abraham's faith did not mean that he did nothing and just waited for God to create a child in Sarah's womb. Faith is not doing nothing. Faith is doing everything and putting your trust in God. So faith is not doing nothing, but it is about doing everything and putting your trust in God and reliance upon God. Abraham and Sarah had normal marital relationships and trusted God for the miraculous results. God doesn't call us to do nothing. God calls us to do what we can, and then he does what we cannot. That's trusting in God. This is a Charles Spurgeon. I love his quotes. Some, sometimes they're just amazing. But Charles Spurgeon says, All true believers, like Abraham, obey. Obedience is faith in action. What does James tell us? Without faith... Works are dead, right? Without works, our faith is dead. Those are in there, right? Uh, together. We are to do what God lays before us until he tells us to do something different. So many people have come to me, and I'm not trying to down people and say this, but they say, Pastor, I'm looking for what God wants me to do. I said, well, what are you doing right now? Because it matters what you're doing right now because when God finds you faithful in doing what you're doing now, then he will call you to do something else. Those who are faithful in the little things, the little things, then God will promote and God will give more. Just like the parable of the talent. Uh, the one who was unfaithful and hid the talent, God took it away from him. But the one who had the most... God said, you did an awesome job with that. I'm going to give you another one. To me, that doesn't seem quite fair. But how many knows if you want to get something done, you always give it to a person who's busy? 
Spurgeon goes on to say, his faith did not sit still. It took steps. And you must take steps by obeying God because you believe in him. That faith which has no works with it is a dead faith and will justify no one. We must trust God. We must do what God's called us to do. Anybody see a quote I put on Facebook this week? This is a, uh, an old commentary uh, written by John Trapp, and it has to do with faith. Uh, and it says this, sense corrects imagination. That's the first thing. Sense corrects imagination. How many knows when you imagine something, then you can imagine something way out there, and your sense will come back and say, that's not going to happen. That's not possible. How many knows that that's what happens? Because we can imagine some pretty amazing, crazy things. Some of them not good and some of them good. So it says sense corrects imagination and imagination and reason corrects sense. Who knows that you are given a mind by the Lord and sometimes when your senses say it's impossible, you begin to reason and you find that it is possible. So reason, it says here, corrects sense. But faith corrects both. I love this. I love this. Faith corrects both imagination and reason or sense. But faith corrects both. It will not be, say it, sense. I mean, those that your senses say, not going to happen. It cannot be, saith reason. Done all the deductions, there's no way this can happen, right? But faith says it both can and will be. For I have a promise for it. How many knows that that's just a great definition of faith? No matter what a reason tells us, or our imagination, or our senses tell us, and we come to the conclusion that it's impossible in the natural, faith says, but God. That's key. Faith says it's going to happen. Not only can it happen, but it's going to, because I'm trusting what God's word told me about this situation. Uh, I love that. I love that quote. All right, let's move on to Romans chapter 4, 19 through 22, verses 19 through 22. Let me notice that your faith can be weak or strong. Faith has substance, according to Hebrews. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So, there's a substance to faith, and it can be either weak or strong. That's what this is going to tell us. It's telling us about Abraham. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. Let that sink in. He's about 100 years old. Sometimes we don't really, we zoom right past that. How many knows that most people die before they're 100, let alone he's going to have a child, right? It's amazing. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, Sarah was 90, he was 100. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. He did not waver at the promise. How many knows that he still tried to make things happen, him and his wife did, but he never stopped believing God. That's what this is telling us. But was strengthened in faith, 
giving glory to God. How many knows that you give glory to God when you have faith? Being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Ever had an impossible situation and God moved in? I have. I've had physical miracles that happened to me. I've, I've seen situations that normally don't turn out the way they did because God got involved. I've watched a son of mine who was an addict be set free from, from that. You know, all kinds of things. God's real. And when we put our faith in him, can I tell you, I didn't have anything else to trust in. In those situations, I had tried everything myself, and none of it worked. You ever been there? It didn't work. I tried to fix the problem. I tried to solve it. I tried to make a way, but I couldn't do it, and so I had to put my trust in the Lord, and he did it. So Abraham had faith, and it was strong. But not only was his faith strong, it was also strengthened because it tells us he was strengthened in faith. I believe faith is of a spiritual substance and it can be strong and it can be strengthened. It can grow or diminish. I believe that our faith is substantial in the spiritual realm and that it can grow or that it can be strengthened and all those things. But you see where faith is strengthened here. God gives us the faith that we need for the situation that we're in. How many knows that? He really does. And I've had people say, how did you have faith in God? I could never do that. Well, you don't know until you've been there. You don't know how much faith you can have in God until you are in a situation and you either have to give up or you have to trust in God. Then you'll know the measure of your faith. You'll know where you stand. We certainly, uh, when we see things, circumstances that God has moved in, then we tend to be able to believe again, but not always. You ever faced a storm and you thought, I've learned so much from this? And then you face another storm and you're like, ah, I thought I had more faith in this. Every storm, every situation has the potential uh, to make us feel like we've been knocked off our foundation or to grow us in faith. What's the purpose of those circumstances and situations? Is to cause us to grow spiritually in the Lord. Virgin said, how we need to be strengthened in faith. Dear brother, a little faith will save thee if it be true faith. But there are many reasons why you should seek an increase of it. We want your faith to increase. We want our faith to grow. He says this, I do not think we shall have many conversions unless we expect God to bless the word and feel certain that he will do so. Salvation comes very strangely. First of all, the Holy Spirit has to draw someone to salvation. But yet, the word also tells us that it's through the foolishness of preaching 
that people are saved. And if we don't believe the power of the word and for it to be effective, then we won't preach it, and we certainly won't preach it like we ought to. Now, I'm saying preach. Witness is the same thing for those who are not called to preach, but all of us are kings and priests, according to the New Testament. So he says, we must not wonder and be astonished if we hear of a dozen or two conversions, but let the astonishment be that thousands are not converted when they hear the divine truth. Let me notice that God blesses his word and it's powerful, and we need to put our trust and faith, not only in God, but that his word will accomplish what he sent it to do. That word will accomplish what he sent it to do, whether it's preached from behind a pulpit, or it's given to somebody sitting at a lunchroom table, or if it's given to them in the grocery store, or standing at the gas station, the word of God is powerful, quick, effective. It will accomplish what God sent it to do. So we need to have faith in God's word, especially when it comes to salvation. That's God's will. Jesus came that all might be saved. They won't all be saved, but that they might all be saved. It's his will. It's his plan that all would be saved. Abraham did not consider his own body. He didn't look at the circumstances. He didn't look at Sarah and her circumstances, but he looked at the promise. He didn't waver. He didn't experience unbelief, even though there were huge challenges he remains steadfast in faith. There's some things I've trusted the Lord for, and I've not seen any results yet. Anybody else there? Keep believing. Keep having faith. If you can find the promise in God's word, hang on to it, bite into it, hold on to it, grab it, don't let go of it. How many ways can I say that? Claim it for yourself. Have faith in God and in his word. Remain steadfast. Don't give up too easily. So we need to hold on to the Lord. Be convinced. Be convinced. Abraham was convinced that what God had said he was able to do and would do. Are you convinced in what God has told you he's going to do? Are you convinced? It may seem impossible. Others may have given up, but are you convinced? Because that's where it's at, right? doesn't matter what other people think. Other people might say, oh, just quit. You know, what, jo what Job's wife said. Curse God and just get over it and die, right? But he, he wasn't about to give up on the Lord. Be confident in God. Is your faith in God too small? Back in 2000. I'll say 13, I believe that's correct. I preached a series of messages called Go Big. I think almost everybody here except for Kay was a part of that. And we talked about how big and mighty and powerful God was and how he created the universe, all the things that he was able to do, how he sent Jesus, how he defeated the enemy. But the other part of that was because we're God's children, he's also called us to go big. And, to, and the only way we go big is when we believe that he's big. Be convinced of who God is and 
can do. Let's read verses 23 through 25. Now it was not written for his sake alone, wasn't written for Abraham's sake alone, that it was imputed to him, but also for us. What was imputed to him? Righteousness. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses. Jesus had to go to the cross because of our offenses and our sins and was raised because of or for our justification. God's word, which is what we're studying right now, was not just meant for Abraham, who was going through the situation he was in, but it looks forward and down through time, and it's for me, and it's for you. And we learn for that it's for our sake, especially for our sake to understand that God can impute righteousness to us if we will simply believe and trust in what Christ has done. God delivered him up because of our offenses. He triumphed over sin and death. He made a way for us. How many knows that you can have faith in all kinds of things? Right? This is talking about faith in God. Faith in what Jesus did for us. What God uh, committed him to do for us. So it's important for us to have faith in specifically in the cross and the redemption work of God. We can believe in the historical events of Jesus. We can believe that he was a wonderful man. We can have faith that he was good and he was a great teacher. We can even have faith that he was the son of God but only the faith in what the real Jesus did on the cross is the faith that will save us. It's a powerful faith. Jesus was delivered up for us. It is the Greek word that is translated delivered. It is used in, in the old Greek language as a, for a person who was put in prison and waiting for justice to be served. So Jesus was the one who delivered us, who got, how many knows that we were prisoners of sin? And Jesus delivered us, and he brought God's justice. What did God say? What's the justice of God? If you will simply believe on Jesus Christ, then you will be saved. But Paul clearly demonstrated that in no way does the Old Testament contradict the gospel of salvation by grace through faith. Instead, the gospel is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And Abraham, who was justified by faith, is our pattern so that we believe that we can be saved. Let's go through the questions. Question number one. Explain how Abraham is the father of us all. I want to venture to do that. Because we believe and profess Christ. Because we believe and profess Christ. So we're, he's spiritually the father of us all. But also he's, so also he is the 
uh, physical lineage. He's the father of the physical lineage or the Jewish. His seed. Yes. His seed. Faith does not mean doing what? Nothing. Nothing. But doing everything. everything with trust and reliance on God. You ever met somebody who just said, I'm just going to sit here and wait on God? That's not what he wants us to do. Question three. Abraham's faith was strong, but it was also Tested. strengthened. It was also strengthened. His faith was strong, but also strengthened. You see that in those scriptures that he had strong faith, but it grew and he was strengthened in it. Question four. I did not go through this one, so forgive me. Faith sees the work of God done in the what? In the immediate and in the eternal. Faith sees the work of God done in the immediate and in the eternal. That would be the same as present and future, right? Present and future. That's right. Now and later. Hey, that's good candy, too. Question five. The blank demonstrates God's perfect blank with Jesus' work on the blank. You may know what the last one is. Last one's the cross. The word in the first. The word demonstrates God's perfect work with Jesus' work. Okay. So it's the resurrection that demonstrates God's perfect satisfaction with God's work on the cross. So it is the resurrection. It is the resurrection that demonstrates God's perfect satisfaction with Jesus' work on the cross. So how many knows that nothing else had to happen but that Jesus paid the price on the cross? It was nothing else. I'm teaching it now. If I didn't teach it then, uh, we're bringing it around. Nothing else had to happen. The price was paid when Jesus went to the cross. No more, no more, uh, all, uh, no more animals on the altar. No more of uh, the sacrificial system. None of that had to happen because God was perfectly satisfied and His justice was perfectly served. When Jesus died for us. The Old Testament does not what? Does not contradict the gospel of salvation by, by grace through 